The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. And here we are already pretty far into our ethical and responsible AI series where we've been providing excerpts and details on some of the training and certification that we do as part of our CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology, which is the right way to do things for AI, the, the best practice on AI process and project management. Um, and the enhancement to that, which is the plus C, which is doing it the right way. It's staying on the right side with your with your customers and your users and your employees and all those people, all the stakeholders, right? Because at the end of the day, it's people that interact with AI systems. I mean, yes, maybe I guess AI systems are talking to each other sometimes, but uh, really it's people <laughs> who need to interact with them. And when you're doing things like violating their trust and you know stealing their privacy and causing safety problems and all sorts of issues of transparency, then they don't want to interact with your AI systems. This is how your AI systems rapidly become a failure and you don't want to become one of those failure statistics. So our job at Cognolytica, we want you to be a success. And we do that in two ways. One, our CPMAI methodology, which is running your AI projects the right way. So you do things in the right order, you iterate, you, you think big, but you start small and you iterate often. You should not have 18 month AI project cycles. We were on a, an event recently where some high level persons that their, AI, that their AI projects took like eight, 12, 16, 18 months were like, are you crazy? <laughs> who does that? Well, people who are running not agile, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> not using CPMAI. So surprise, you know, the world changes in 18 months. If I said, I'm going to start a project in January of 2020, how much could the world change in 18 months? Oh, yeah, I guess you haven't seen what the last 18 to 24 months have really been like, right? So why would you do that? Why would you do that? That's how you become a, a failure. So part, if you're new to the AI Today series, you should go back and listen to the previous episodes, not only in this series, but the ones that talk about AI failures, the AI failure series, the use case series, the interviews, hear how to do AI right, because that's what we're really all about. Uh, but we also, you should subscribe because we have more. This is not the last episode on this uh, ethical and responsible AI series. And also we have more things to share. So be part of the community that's doing AI right. Exactly. So with CPMAI, which teaches you how to do AI right, we've added and enhanced. So we have CPMAI plus E now, plus ethics, to really help you understand how to build an ethical and responsible AI framework that can be actionable and put into place for project success. Because the last thing that we want is for you and your project and your organization to be in the news because something went wrong. We don't want that. So if you're following best practices methodologies, CPMAI plus the E enhancement, then you're really setting yourself up for success. If you're interested in signing up for CPMAI plus E, I'll link to it in the show notes so that you can um, 
register for that. We've uh, really enjoyed hearing from many of our listeners who have already signed up. So thank you so much for that. And we'd love to get additional listeners signed up as well. So definitely make sure to check out the link in the show notes, or you can email us at info at cognolitica.com. That's C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. But in today's episode, we want to provide another snippet. So if you've been following our Ethical and Responsible AI series, you know that we provide snippets from our CPMAI Plus E training. Today, we're going to be talking about setting up your organization for ethical and responsible AI success. So what does this mean? You know, what kind of roles, committees do you have in place? Are you setting it up to actually have authority and have real teeth? Or are you setting it up really just for show and that you're maybe getting some high profile names on there from outside of the organization who really have no authority inside your organization to do anything and it really is just for show. Hint, don't do that. Um, But, you know, how are you setting it up? And so in this snippet, we're going to help uh, get you thinking about how you should be setting your organization up for success. So it's important to understand how and why to set up uh, groups, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're transparent about this and that everybody who is going to be involved in these groups know that they're involved in these groups. And I mean, we've said it before, hopefully it's really sinking in that this idea of, you know, when you're not transparent, this lack of transparency really does erode trust. And once you've eroded trust, it's incredibly hard to gain that back. So we want to make sure that that is not what we're leading with. And if we have groups, we need to say, okay, are we having external facing groups? Are we having internal facing groups? And then what's kind of the purpose and reasoning for each of these? And if we have external facing AI governance boards, we have to absolutely make sure that they are transparent. And as an organization, you are being transparent. You do not want to have secret committees, secret boards that, you know, People don't know who's on them, and it's really just, uh, you know, not making people trust you or feel good about this. And you also don't want to publicize having a controversial committee either. You know, maybe you've put it together. There's a few controversial people on there. And then publicizing that is just definitely not going to help anything. It's not going to make people trust you anymore or feel better about this. And, you know, at the end of the day, we've said trust, it really requires this idea of transparency, this idea of openness, and this idea of trustworthy people. So if you are not going to have transparency, openness, or people on the board that are trustworthy, then why are you doing this at all? And you can get in a lot of trouble. We have some examples, especially at Google, of how they have put together these ethics boards and then disbanded them because they really just haven't been transparent and made people, you know, gain their trust at all in this. Yeah. I mean, the, the many examples of this abound, you know, it's kind of crazy that an organization that has put so much effort into AI, invested so much money in AI, acquired companies like DeepMind for billions of dollars, all these companies, that they just can't get this ethics thing right. So at DeepMind, uh, you know, they had the, they were they were building this system for artificial general intelligence. If you remember, it was that game playing bot that beat the Go player, and then they had these bots that could play all these great games at some very surprising levels of capability. And people started getting worried uh, that their AGI system would take over the world. So they're like, "Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We won't take over the world. We have an ethics board." 
ethics board is taking care of it, making sure that the uh, AI system doesn't go crazy. And people are like, okay, great. Who's on your ethics board? Can't tell you. It's a secret. Literally, that's what they said from this Forbes article. DeepMind's ethics board has been a closely guarded secret ever since the artificial intelligence company was acquired by Google in 2014. Despite repeated requests, DeepMind has never revealed who's on this ethics board. It's like, if people are not trusting you on something or they're worried about something, saying that you have some secret committee that you won't tell people about is not exactly a way of engendering more trust. As a matter of fact, it might have the opposite effect, right? And uh, separate to that, Google has had their own AI ethics board where, you know, to supervise all their other AI projects from their Google Assistant to their search engine stuff to their, you know, content moderation stuff. Lots of places that they're using AI that you may or may not be aware of, right? And they have this AI ethics board. They started it once. I showed, we showed this in a previous lesson. They started it and they had to cancel within eight days and they started it again and they canceled it again because people didn't like who was on the board and this and that. They just can't get it right. They really just cannot get it right. So you might be thinking, okay, well, these ethics AI governance boards or these ethics AI, ethical AI boards, external boards, our advisory boards are not that useful. And we'll talk a little bit about that later as to whether or not they might be useful and how you could use them. But you might be thinking, well, let's just build a, an AI governance team that's more for our inside. We won't necessarily publicize who's on it, but it, it doesn't really matter anyways because it's all in employees who are helping manage our AI projects, as we talked about earlier. But you need to be even more transparent. Even if your internal employees know who's on your AI governance board, you have to make sure all of your decisions are public. Don't undermine the teams by basically imposing on things like, oh, you, you know, you shouldn't do this or you should do this, or management team is going to look a blind eye to this application because you're doing it unethically, but you know, it's a major customer. So I guess we won't, you know, the moment you start doing all that stuff, you're undermining your trustworthiness. The moment that people believe that your framework is all for show and you're not going to actually use it, it undermines it completely. People are just going to ignore it and not use it anymore, which makes it useless. So you really have to have an internal AI governance team that's public, not only so who's on the team, what their decisions are, why they're making their decisions, how they're using the framework, when you're using the framework, make it a real, real thing, and then you won't have any of these problems. Now, some people have been tempted to say, well, we don't know ethics. Let's go out and let's find some you know, professional ethicists or academics who have spent years doing research on this. Let's bring them in and they can ethics eyes our company and our teams. Our recommendation, it's actually a bit of a controversial opinion, is that we don't think that's a good idea. We don't think hiring ethicists, as much as they may really know ethics and the history of ethics all the way back to the Babylonian days or whatever, you know, none of this stuff is really going to help you because you need your AI projects to be implemented by the AI project folks in an ethical way. So we would much rather say, instead of bringing these entities that some people would perceive as like foreign entities telling them not to do things, people get resistant to that. People don't like being told what to do, especially by people who don't know their project, don't speak their language, not part of their everyday life, right? Not living and breathing the, the customer experience with them, right? So the better thing is just make everybody who is involved in AI, make them fluent and knowledgeable and expertise in ethical and responsible AI concepts. Make them understand the framework. Make them invested in the framework. Make them know that this framework is for them to help them avail them from getting sued, from providing harm, from doing all the sorts of things, you know, making people cancel their project that they spent all this time on. You don't want that to happen. So you guys should all be fluent in that. 
And, um, you know, this is the problem that Google, even Google said, they just keep making these mistakes. They like, okay, we're going to have an AI ethics team. We're going to hire all these ethicists. And they had internal group ethicists. And guess what? They fired a bunch of them because the ethicists were making recommendations that the project teams didn't like, you know, because the ethics people were taking ideas and concepts that may be good and sort of from the general society, nothing wrong with that. But because they weren't part of the everyday project experience, they could not get them into place. They were butting heads. And when push comes to shove, who do you think Google is going to get rid of? The teams who are actually building products and projects that are generating billions of dollars or the ethics team that's telling those companies, those teams that they can't do what they want to do. So to avoid this problem, just make your project teams fluent and conversant in ethical and responsible AI. And we use the framework as our guide to make that happen. And the AI governance board to make sure we follow the framework and that governance board is comprised of those project teams. And we're going to get into that next. So when we're looking to put together these different committees, we need to make sure that we're understanding why we're putting it together, who needs to get involved, and kind of the function of those committees. So first, we have the Ethical and Responsible AI Framework Committee, or board, depending on what you want to call it. And really, the role of this Ethical and Responsible AI Framework Committee is it should be an internal group that's focused on the continued iteration of your Ethical and Responsible AI Framework. And it should look to provide guidance to project groups who want to use and extend the framework. So this is the the committee that's going to really help put this together at that organizational level. Now, when you're looking to see who should be involved in this, we understand that you know every organization has uh, maybe different terminology that they use for the same types of roles. So we we want to provide this you know general guidance of who should be involved in your ethical and responsible AI framework and sort of at that role. Maybe if that's not exactly the position that you call it, but just in general. You should have C-level sponsors so that you have high-level decision makers who are uh, helping with putting together your framework. Uh, someone in risk office or privacy office. Also, you're going if you have corporate ethics and compliance, you want to make sure you have somebody from there. Uh, someone from the IT organization, including the CIO. Uh, someone from corporate ethics and compliance. Someone from security or the CISO office. Uh, you'll want to make sure if you have, you know, data governance, CDO office, data architect office, someone from there, the head of major AI and engineering teams, and then if you have an environmental, social, and corporate governance, ESG, you're going to want to make sure that it's representative of many different groups at your organization. And this is a good guideline of who to get involved when building your ethical and responsible AI framework. Now, you need to you know, set this up and figure out how it should go about doing that. So when you're looking to set this up, the framework committee is going to own and be responsible for continuously managing the framework, including updates and the usage. So it's very important to get together a team to build your initial framework. But once you've built it, you need to make sure that you are continuously managing this and editing it and updating it as needed. So the framework committee should meet regularly so that they can continue, you know, one, to put it together and then to continue to update the organizational framework. This can be determined, uh, you know, at an organizational level, whether you meet monthly, whether you meet quarterly at a different cadence, but you definitely should be meeting and continuing 
to update this. Make sure that you you know you don't build it once and then it becomes shelfware. That's absolutely not what you want to do here, and it's going to need to be uh, updated. And this committee also, it's what's incredibly important, right? Because we want to build trust here. They should post and share all the documents and conversations that they've had related to these decisions, so that everybody at the organization understands what's going on knows the conversations that have been had so it's open and transparent and that they can understand if there has been updates to the framework as well. So this committee is going to be grouped into working groups that focus on the different layers of the framework. So there's five layers of the framework and you should have, you know, five committees, one for each layer. And they should have representation from each part of the organization that's going to have a vested interest in this section of the framework. So you may not need every single group to go to all of the different meetings and you know be involved in all layers of the framework. That's something internally you'll need to figure out. But just note that you should be looking at the different roles that are involved and then figure out how to break it down based on the needs of what each of the layers has. And the goal of this is, you know, a framework that's actually going to be used and that uh, each organization, each group will come up with their part of the framework and the playbook and that it will help inform the organization as a whole. So, uh, when you're looking to put together that ethical and responsible committee for the framework, this is a great guide on how to go about getting started. Great. So now we have a group that's managing the living document. That's the framework and providing guidance to the AI project teams to, to use the framework. But uh, who's going to make sure that uh, we actually live by the rules of the framework? Well, that's the AI governance board. Now, this is the most significant group within the organization when it comes to ethical and responsible AI, trustworthy AI. You need to have a group that's responsible and owns the organization's AI project efforts, all their AI efforts. And at the end of the day, you know, it takes responsibility for what the, what the AI systems are doing, good, bad, or or neutral, right? So this is primarily an internal facing group that provides the governance and guidance for all AI projects, right? They're not running and managing each AI project. We'll talk about the AI project owners, but they have overall responsibility for them. So they have the final authority and ownership of all the organizational AI efforts. They handle any complaints when people come in and say, you know, something has uh, caused causing harm or potential harm or some issues with security or some privacy issue, uh, some potential violation of a law or some issues with regards to transparency, somebody having some issue with explainable system or whatever. This AI governance board is handling all of those uh, inbound complaints or concerns, right? They're also managing and auditing the current use of AI. They're, they're seeing, do they have vulnerable? Remember, we talked about vulnerability checking. We talked about, you know, making sure that we have visibility into the data sets and all this sorts of stuff so we can enable uh, traceability and auditability. Who's doing all that? Well, it's the governance board is, is doing that, the AI governance board, right? And finally, to, to make this work, you need to have some sort of repository inventory of all the applications that are going on, keeping track. It could be a simple you know, spreadsheet, I guess, you know, with like the name of the project and who the owner is and what it does. Or it could be you know, more, more robust. You can build a more complicated uh, knowledge management system. Either way, you're keeping track and you have a process by which people can add new projects. And this, it can be helpful in so many ways to know what AI projects are going on in the organization. 
organization. Now, because this is a much more active group that's keeping an eye and watchful state on what's happening with AI and, and really helping the teams be successful and get out of trouble, there should be some sponsor from the C-level to make sure that uh, that the people say, oh, this AI governance board is uh, made up of low-level people that don't have any authority. There should be somebody on there that has authority from some C-level. Doesn't you know, It could be any part of the C-level organization. But you do need to have representation from legal and contracts. They're going to be in there. They're going to want to know if, if your stuff is violating laws. You're going to want to have people from corporate ethics and compliance, the risk office in there, the IT organization who's responsible for keeping these uh, you know, AI systems running, and CIO should to be there, IT services, the security CISO office, corporate ethics and compliance, the data, gover- data governance and CDO architect teams, major AI engineering teams, and ESG. Now, this may look like a very, very, very similar list to the framework committee. And the answer is it may be made up of many of the same or very similar people, right? The difference is that the framework committee, this goes to how it's set up, is really focused on primarily managing the framework. And you may have a lot of activity up front to build the framework, and then it may actually get slower over time because you're not really updating the framework that often, or maybe you're providing per project framework guidance, but everybody kind of you know, things are kind of humming along unless there's some major new change to a law or some other major policy thing. The framework committee doesn't need to be that regular. The difference is that the governance board is constantly meeting because there's constantly new AR projects, new risk assessments, new making sure that people aren't violating data privacy laws, really making sure that the systems are working. So it's really set up to be at that overall responsibility at the buck stops here level. They're responsible for executing the framework. So if anything goes wrong, you can point to the AI governance board and say, hey, AI governance board, didn't you realize that this or part of our organization was out there building some data profile and we violated some data privacy law. They can't be like, well, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, there's no excuse for that. The AI governance board should be aware of that project even before the very first iteration of it, have some contact with the project owner and make sure that there are no changes and tell and provide that enforcement. So how does it work? So the AI governance board must set up and manage processes for auditing and control of the various framework activities at the, all those layers, right? Ethics, societal, responsible, transparency, controls, and explainability, right? Any sort of challenge, crisis, consideration, complaint needs to be brought to the, to the ethics uh, AI governance board's attention. Uh, obviously, we said they need to meet very regularly, at least monthly. That may not even be enough, but at least monthly to be aware of everything that's happening to the AI projects. They should review and regularly audit uh, the systems and the controls to make sure that the projects are really doing what they say they're doing. They should be themselves accountable. This is important. The governance board should be accountable. This shouldn't be this like internal police force or, or you know, organization that nobody has authority over. The governance board is itself accountable to the organization. They're accountable to the C-levels. They're accountable to the groups. And they need to provide a regular report of their activities to say, we spotted this, we have this problem, we said yes to this, we said no to this, there's some issue. That's how you provide the trust, right? Then people don't think that you're some internal enforcer and people will try to get around you. And if they try to get around you, you kind of uh, are, are powerless at that point. So having the governance board made up of the people who are making these projects, but have real authority and real teeth really will get keep you out of trouble. And so that'll be really helpful. So we have a couple more organizational things to add to this soup to make it uh, even more valuable. So we have our committee that is building the ethical and responsible AI framework. And now we have our AI governance board in place as well. 
We also want to have an ethical and responsible AI project owner. So this is going to be for each AI project that we have. We want to make sure that we have a project owner who will help enforce and make sure we're complying with our framework. So the role of this ethical and responsible AI project owner really is, you know, for each project that we have, we need to make sure that that we are uh, making decisions, outcomes, and impacts of this AI project that are within our ethical and responsible AI framework. This person will also handle any concerns or complaints regarding the use of AI and or associated data for that project. So who should be this AI project owner? Well, in general, it should be, you know, a project manager or a project lead for the AI project. Or it could be someone in, you know, a supporting technical or data team maybe someone in the data science or data engineering organization, IT operations, or DevSecOps team. But in general, somebody that's going to be involved with this project and you know really take responsibility and be that AI project owner. So when you're looking to set it up, you need to make sure that you've identified one person for each AI project team who is this AI project owner for the ethical and responsible AI framework. So again, if you have 10 AI projects going on, you're going to need to make sure that all 10 of those projects have this dedicated uh, ethical and responsible AI project owner. You don't need 10 different people. If you know they're working on multiple projects, you can have that same person be this, this owner for maybe two or three uh, projects, whatever it is they're working on. But you do need to make sure that a person is identified for each AI project. And this person is going to be responsible for making sure the organizational ethical and responsible AI framework is actually implemented. And if it needs to be customized for that specific project outside of what that organizational framework has, then they're going to be uh, helping with that so that you have those particular project needs in this framework. You're going to add on to it. So how does it work? And how, how does it function? Well, the AI project owner is going to be responsible for the outcomes of the AI project from that ethical, responsible, and trustworthy AI perspective. That's why it's important you have this person set up and they really own this. Any violations or compromises of that organizational framework is going to be the project owner's responsibility. So make sure, you know, don't violate any of these. Don't skip, don't skip or, you know, cut corners and say, well, I'm not going to do it for this because if you do decide to violate or compromise any of the parts of the framework uh, and you do, you know, end up violating something, getting in trouble, it's going to fall on that AI project owner and say, why did you skip this? And, you know, what, what was your reasoning behind this? You have to make sure that you're following this exactly. And that AI project owner should be involved in all steps of the CPM AI process for, you know, your AI project management lifecycle. So make sure, you know, there's six phases of CPM AI, make sure they're involved in all of them. In particular, though, they really need to be involved in that business understanding, which is phase one, data understanding, which is phase two, model evaluation, which is phase five, and model operationalization, which is phase six, to ensure that compliance of the framework, but in general, keep them involved with all of the phases to make sure that you are fully complying and that that AI project owner really does have ownership. So now we've really talked about the majority of the groups, the frame the group groups that's managing the framework, 
the, the group that's sort of keeping all of your AI systems complying with the framework and the individual project owners that are running the projects and working within that. So we still have another organization that you may find within your own organization that is involved with AI projects. And it's usually called the AI Center of Excellence. Sometimes there's multiple centers of excellence. Sometimes it's multiple committees. And generally what they're, they're formed mostly as a way to share and grow AI expertise within an organization, share best practices, uh, develop best practices, improve skills, um, and also provide general overall strategy, right? They're not going to be inside each and every one of your projects. They're, they don't fun function as a governance board for a couple of reasons. One, because they're not participating in every one of your AI projects. They're also not usually comprised of all those different roles that we require to be in governance, such as compliance and risk and all that sort of stuff. But they provide this very valuable role, which is connects to the governance board and connects to the framework teams. One, of course, as we mentioned, uh, creates a unified vision of AI within the organization, a centralized group that coordinates and shares AI efforts. Uh, they help to communicate and share best practices, including, you know, the knowledge, what you're learning right now, you know, from ethics, a lot of it may come from initiatives driven by the AI Center of Excellence. You know, they help expand the labor pool, the talent pool that can do AI projects well, and even helps with upskilling and reskilling internal folks. So things like CPMI certification and other aspects of certification, they're help motivating because you want to keep everybody up at that same level. As you know, knowledge is power, especially when you're learning new things that, that have a high degree of risk. Uh, the other thing that Centers of Excellence do is they advise senior management of the AI strategy and direction, provide some guidance on where AI is heading, both to the externally and internally as well. And of course, help to standardize on tools and processes and techniques. Uh, they take a look even at some you know, directions of research and proof of concepts that may happen outside of the AI projects, right? So where the AI centers of excellence work well with the AI governance board and the framework teams is to provide that external guidance and input that will help keep the AI governance board connected to what the strategies are for the organization. The governance board is in there making sure that the AI projects don't go off the rails, don't cause problems, but there needs to be overall guidance as to, well, what are, where are we going with all this? What kinds of projects are we trying to run? You know, what is some guidance to the AI governance board? And also even to the framework teams as we're putting together these frameworks, having a little bit of guidance as to what the strategy is for the organization. Where, what are we learning from other parts of the organization, help to manage the risk and mitigate them. So uh, we see the AI Center of Excellence as being a participant with the uh, both the AI Governance Board and the Ethical and Responsible AI Framework teams, but also providing that sort of almost external input within the internal organization to connect with the senior management. So the next question, so now this has all been internal, you know, internal facing boards that we've had to put together. But what if you want to have a primarily external facing AI board? Is that useful? What's the purpose? Why are you going to do it? What we found is that it can be somewhat useful if it will, you know, providing external guidance from other organizations who are also pursuing ethical and responsible AI. But it's not useful and definitely not recommended if it's only going to be used for providing pu publicity to your organization and also providing things like networking opportunities for management or other board members. If you are going to have an external facing AI board, do it right or just don't do it at all. 
So you're going to want to make sure that the external board is subservient and responsible to that AI governance board that we just spent all that time setting up, making sure that we have the right people in place. And they really are that, you know, buck stops here board. We want to make sure that whatever external boards we have really are following and listening to that AI governance board. And the AI governance board is the one who's responsible for those decisions. And also, you know, if you have an external facing board and you have external board members, they really shouldn't have authority or decision-making capability, and they should be looked at solely as advisors. I mean, they're not part of your organization. They're not employed by you. They really, uh, you know, are not as invested as your internal employees are. So if you are going to have this external board, they should not be the ones with the authority and decision-making capabilities. Right. So, um, you know, really what you have to be focused on is, is don't make many of the mistakes that others have. We already talked about some of them, avoiding those Google mistakes. You know, if you're going to have an external facing board, make sure people know who's on it. Don't have some secret committee. Um, you know, if the advisory board is helping provide advice and guidance to the internal advisory AI governance board or, you know, helping provide some insights on what other organizations are doing. That's what pretty useful, right? But provide, let people know that's what they're doing. They're like, they're not there. Like the advisory board there is not to control, you know, what, what your organization's doing. It's like, uh, if you're complaining about Google's violating some data privacy law, you can't go to their external advisory board and complain about it. Cause they'll be like, well, we're just, we just provide advice to them. So we don't actually do anything. That's actually was the complaint, right? That these advisory boards don't do anything. Well, if you don't have an internal, uh, AI, uh, you know, advisor, you know, governance board, then you, then you, then you got nothing basically. So you got to have something, right? And also, you know, the thing you can do is just publish your framework as much as you can. We'll talk a little bit about this. We talk about the transparency policy, but publish as much as you can so that people could see that it's not just about this advisory board. You could say we have an internal AI governance board. We have a framework committee. The framework committee is publishing the framework. All of our AI projects run to the framework. And this advisory board is providing some guidance. Um, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, it's useful, especially if you say, look, look, the AI governance board, they're the ones who have the ultimate authority and responsibility. So, you know, if you use an external board to provide some guidance and maybe a little bit of uh, press or whatever, I think that's okay. But from the perspective of truly running ethical and responsible AI systems, an external ethical advisory board is not necessary, nor do we even recommend it. It doesn't really help you make your AI projects more trustworthy. It doesn't help you on your day-to-day -day basis of really running your AI projects. It doesn't help you avoid getting sued. It doesn't help you any of that sort of stuff. So um, limited use. So use it only when it's limitedly useful. So yeah, I mean, hopefully um, you realize there's actually a lot of components to making ethical and responsible AI work organizationally. Because if you make it only the responsibility of the machine learning engineers and the AI project owners and the data and scientists, they don't have your whole organization's best interests in mind necessarily. They're just thinking about their project. And a lot of times they're pressured to, to get that project going, you know, they're very, especially if they're many months into it. And, and so without having any organizational checks and balances, without having a governance board, without having some framework group that's working on iterating the ethical framework, without having a center of excellence that's sharing best practices, 
then you'll have these little islands of people doing stuff and the organization may or may not know about them. And the next thing you know, you're in the news. You didn't even realize it because some group has released some racist chatbot or some bad loan decision tool that has all sorts of problems or built a robot that fell down the escalator and wiped out a bunch of people on the bottom <laughs> of it. These are all real world things that have happened. This is stuff we shared during our education and training and certification. We always take a ripped from the headlines approach where where we actually bring in the real world and say yeah this is these are not just like what if situations these are these are yes as if situations yeah. so what are you going to do about it to make sure that you don't fall into those same traps so um organizational stuff may seem very wonky but incredibly important without humans in the loop without a human accountability without human ownership um, this is just not going to happen. And it's going to be this little document that sits on the shelf or on the wall that people look at every once in a while and be like, oh, yeah, I remember we did something like that two years ago. But no, I got my projects to run. No, it should be in every project you do and every day and every iteration. You should have well-established lines of control. You should have ways of doing all sorts of stuff, the governance checks to making sure you're not violating security, data privacy issues. You shouldn't have someone from your organization emailing somebody, asking them, for things that are violations of data privacy that actually happened to us. emailed us and said, can you please violate a data privacy law for me? That's not exactly <laughs> how they were. Yeah, no. But, but it was the tone. Yeah. That was the tone. And it's like, it's like if a lawyer was our privacy, they'd be like slapping that hand. Be like, don't you, don't you even think of sending that email? Because the that email in itself could actually be evidence of violation of data privacy. So, that's a very specific thing. But there's so many other situations like this. Somebody could have built a robot without checking any situation for safety and security, let it roam the halls of your mall. And the next thing you know, it falls down. The escalator has another real world situation happen, and people got injured. They're like, oh, I never thought about my robot falling downstairs or whatever. Like, well, one, you should have thought about it. But even if you didn't, there's no safeguards. There's no security. There's no checking. So that that's the problem. It's a lack of uh, it's the Wild West, right? And yeah. This is what happens in the Wild West. Oh, we don't want the Wild West of AI. We don't want your projects to fail. So that's why we are big advocates of doing AI right, which hopefully by now, if you've been listening to our series or our podcast in general, because we've been around for five years, which is so crazy. But you know, you, you know that we're just advocates of doing AI right. We really want to see your projects succeed. We don't want to see them fail because we know that you've invested a lot into these. And so, you know, why invest all of that time, money, resources only for your projects to fail? So hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. You've gotten a better understanding of what you need to do to set your organization up for that ethical and responsible AI success, what needs to be put in place, what, what you need to be thinking about to really continue to move forward with, um, you know, and in the right direction in a positive direction with AI project success. So, you know, like I said, we do love when our listeners reach out to us. We also love when you rate our podcast. We love getting five-star ratings. We're on all of the major podcast platform providers, iTunes, Google, Spotify, all of the major providers. So again, you can find us in a number of different ways. We do love hearing from our listeners. And if you'd like to get CPMAI Plus E certified, again, check out our show notes. We'll have links on, uh, you know, where to go to get registered. You can sign up and purchase directly on our website. And with that, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We really do appreciate all of our listeners, the ones that reach out, the ones that just listen to us and really enjoy our episodes. Please share the AI Today podcast with all of your friends as well. Help get the word out. 
help grow our listener base because that really does help, um, you know, our podcast as well. And so with that, again, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.